You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Oh, good morning. My name is Mike, one of the pastors here, and glad that you could be with us this morning. On this wonderful morning, I do want to, uh, you know, that song, um, what a beautiful name, just, there's one part in there that just strikes me, and uh, when we sing, there is no rival, and I guess I want to ask, is that true? Is there any rival to Christ as Lord in our life? Is he the highest authority? Is he the highest affection? Is he really the number one in our life? For there is no rival. It's something to ponder as we're walking together this morning through our study this morning, but I'm glad that you're here. And I do want to also say, as as, uh, um, Victor was talking about, thank you for giving the waters. Uh, You blessed our community uh, like you wouldn't believe. Some people were so thirsty coming to our water water to our table, and we were able to hand them a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. And somebody asked me, they said, uh, will I thirst from this water again? I said, yes, but there's a living water that, you can, that you'll never thirst from. And, and uh, we had great conversations around that, and we were blessing you know, everybody that walked by, and anybody who wanted water had water, and because of you. So thank you for your gifts. Um, like I, I believe it was, we handed out 5,400-ish was the exact ish number, uh, but you all gave around 6,000 plus waters, and so we do have some left over. We're going to use them for VBS, so thank you for that, but just so appreciative of those uh, that were there, and also those who volunteered and handed out water. We have some great people who are just uh, fun and interact with, so thank you for that. Appreciate your help with that. It was a great time, but I'm glad you're here this morning. And I do have a question for you as we continue this uh, uh, Bible teaching series, uh, Q&A with Jesus, question and answer with Jesus. And it's not us asking Jesus questions, it's really Jesus asking us questions and then helping us live out the answer. And uh, one amazing thing about questions is that they tend to hijack our mind because God made us in such a way that when we hear a question, it begins to take over our minds and we want to find the answer to it. And every good coach, every good mentor knows that and asks really deep probing question. And Jesus is that great mentor and coach and has some amazing questions for us to ponder. We've been looking at those all throughout this summer and we'll continue to do so. Questions like, do you love me? Jesus says. Well, that's a deep question because what does that mean? And and, and other questions uh, uh, like, uh, do you know who I am? <laughs> Jesus says. And other questions, they're great questions to that. So, uh, Here's a question to get us started this morning in that. And here's the question. Have you ever hoped for something and seen it happen? Hope for a new job and it happened. Hope for a new relationship and stepped into one. Hope for and you fill in the blank and it happened. It became a reality. Well, I know there's one uh, young family that had a hope. Uh, they had a hope for a baby and just last Monday, little Ethan was born. Ethan, uh, born to Carrie and Emily Kaufman, and there he is, all in his little glory right there. Uh, 
they will tell, Carrie and Emily will tell their story in time, but they intentionally chose to adopt little Ethan as an already fertilized embryo and have him implanted in Emily. And Emily gave birth a little three weeks early, but uh, gave birth uh, this past Monday. And I do want you to, uh, uh, little Ethan has been in the uh, NICU and the in, little intensive care unit there for kids. He's doing okay. He, he, he was fine when came out and, and had an opportunity there. And, and yet he got a little jaundice and they wanted to check him out. There's some other maybe, I thought there might be some other complications. So they've been in the hospital all week and, uh, and just sent a text out this morning that said they, they're looking that they may be uh, sent out of the hospital today. So it's not what they'd hoped for. They have to bring, you know, little Ethan home and start life. As, it, but, you know, he's three weeks early. So, I mean, you know, he wanted, to, he wanted his time. So I'm going to get in the hospital now if I'm not, not going to be in the womb. So, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's enjoying that time. But here it is, a, a hope realized because they intended to save a life. And look at him. Isn't he cute? I'm talking about the baby, not nothing. Um, you know, I, I might, I just might let him date my granddaughter. But, but I'm going to chaperone. <laughs> but uh, with God's leading and, and miraculous interventions, their intentionality saved a life. Do you or have you ever dreamed of something and hoped someday it would happen? Like Walt did. You all know Walt. Walt Disney. Uh, this past Monday was not only Ethan's birthday, but it was also Disneyland's 62nd birthday. And uh, uh, Walt uh, Disney had a dream, a dream he had that... Uh, of an amusement park where his families could enjoy time together and experience that wonder together. He used to sit on a park bench and watch his daughters play, and he just sat there on the park bench, but yet he wanted to be able to enjoy that with his kids, and Disneyland just didn't happen. Walt, with determined intention, diligently overcame many obstacles and opposition and pushed forward with a dream. And I would say there's probably very few of you in this room that have not been touched with his intentionality. So let me ask, how many of you have actually been to Disneyland? Most of you. How many of you actually, how many of you, actually how many of you work there, right? Yeah. Uh, how many of you have actually bought a Disney product or watched a Disney movie? Yeah, almost everybody. In the first service, I don't think there was one single hand that didn't go up that didn't, hadn't been touched by Disney's intentionality. See, hopes and dreams and living life God's way are just hopes and dreams without some intentional action towards them. We are created to move with intention, not just to exist, but to fulfill God's purposes and dreams He's given us. All through Scripture, we are challenged to be intentional and intentional with God. Second Peter 3.18, now... Inside your worship folder, there's an outline. You can jot down some of these verses. Or uh, at the end of the surface, out in the lobby area, there's this study guide which has all of the verses that I'm going to mention listed here. There's also some great questions to continue on and study and I encourage you to pick up one of those. But do 
take out your outline and write down some notes here. But 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to read you every verse because my intent with that is that you would be so curious about what the verse actually says that you'd actually pick up the paper, write down the verse, and go home and open your own Bible and read the verse. That's, 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 it's intention, and God intentionally wants us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to actually take the steps of intention to understand God. It doesn't just happen by some kind of uh, uh, download, and, and we plug in with a USB port into our brain, and somehow, woo, now, now I know everything about God. We actually have to take some intentional time to actually open our Bibles and actually read the words on the page. It takes intention with that. Uh, Psalm 119, 9 and 11, it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to God's word. Thy word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you, God. And we treasure that, uh, to treasure something is to intentionally hold it as precious. And how we intentionally treasure God's word is to memorize it, to meditate on it, to think about it, to, to understand its prominence in our life. Just like we treasure some of the possessions we have in our own lives. It takes intentionality. The same with Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus gives the greatest commandment out there, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. That takes intention. That love is not some just gooey-gooey feeling we have. It's actually a, a, a verb to motivate us to love that we set him as the highest affection, that we set him as the highest priority, that there is no rival. And we hold him in that precious reality. And that's why John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey. And the Bible is packed full of imperatives. Those are those commands, those, those actions to intentionally go after, to love those who hate you. Uh, to care about those who are unfortunate. To love God with all of our heart. See, somehow we've got this um, um, misunderstanding that when we come into faith, that somehow we plop on that lazy river and we float down the lazy river of faith and we just kind of keep rolling along and just all of a sudden we're spinning around and we learn great things about God. It just kind of happens. The truth is the current of this world's going against God. <laughs> and we have to intentionally work at understanding him because our world has nothing like what he would want. And we have to go after that and, intent and make some intention with that to know him and grow in him. And so, yes... All scripture challenges us to be intentional with God, but as well, the Bible challenges us to be intentional with others, to love others, as John 13, 34 says, to, to be humble in, among each other, as Ephesians 4, 2 said, to serve one another, as Galatians 5, 13 says, is, is to spur one another on with diligence, as Hebrews 10, 24 says, relationships, growing in faith, fulfilling the dreams God has for us, don't just happen we are called to, in, to be intentional, just like Jesus. For Jesus moved with intention and calls us to a life of intentionality. And Jesus asks a question in our study this morning that has us consider, how will we intentionally follow Jesus today? This question is found 
and a familiar passage, yet we, we rarely look at the question Jesus posed. It's found in John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17, a passage we look at each Easter time where Jesus washes the disciples' feet in that upper room right before that Last Supper. So I want us this morning to unpack these verses, to explore Jesus' question and how we can intentionally follow Jesus as we consider a few more questions, four more questions of intentionality. So if you wouldn't mind setting aside your Bible, let's stand up and let's pray and ask God, intentionally ask God (laughs) to teach us something this morning. Because I believe you're not here by accident. I don't think you just floated in here. I think God and his Holy Spirit actually intended you to be here on this day at this moment to learn something from his word. And so let's ask him to to teach us. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you care about us. You care about what we go through. And I know in a crowd like this, there are some who are just going through horrendous things. And God, I pray that you would minister them at their point of need. Lord, I pray that you'd also challenge us even in the midst of that with this understanding of intentionality, that as we look at your intention and how you were intentional, Lord, may you show us how we could be intentionally and intentionally follow you this week. Reveal something specific to us this morning, Lord, and challenge us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can sit down. I encourage you to uh, make sure you're out of the worship folder. Uh, Pull out the outline there. There's some blanks to fill in. The answers will be up on the screen. Also, in that study guide I mentioned there, uh, Victor pointed out this card that uh, he had mentioned about it, filling that out. I encourage you to fill that out, especially if you're a guest with us. If you're a guest with us, fill it out and go to the back table back there. Welcome to us. we got a special gift for you. But uh, regular attenders and, 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 that, and guests too, we really want your prayer request in the back. And you can put that in the offering place basket when it comes around, but it, we really want to pray for you, and so I encourage you to fill that out as we go through that. Well, let, let's look at uh, uh, this passage together. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, our wonderful, amazing ushers are walking down the aisle. They've got a stack of Bibles. They'd love to loan you one. Just wave at them, and they'll be happy to pass you a Bible, and you can use that uh, during our time here. Then when you're done, just leave it there, and we'll pick it up for you. And, but I do encourage you to bring your Bibles uh, as you come to church. We look at them every Sunday. <laughs> it is God's Word to us. Uh, but, but here's this passage. It's found in John chapter 13. John is in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the four Gospels, the four uh, views into Jesus' life and his teaching. And, and here in the Bible book of John chapter 13, John writes this. <clears throat> Verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own, who were in the world. He loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hand and he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. 
Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to be washed except for his feet, but he is completely clean. You are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and had put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, and here's the question we're looking at this morning, do you understand what I have done to you? Jesus goes on, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am so. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I give you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. See, after John had set the scene and Jesus washed the disciples' feet, Jesus hijacks the minds of these disciples and asks, do you understand what I have done to you? And the disciples are going, uh, uh, their mind is beginning to spin because their minds can't grasp what Jesus has done. Jesus washing their feet did not fit their worldview, did not fit their mindset. Why would the most powerful, the most awesome, uh, God Almighty, uh, Messiah, choose to place himself in the position of the lowliest slave of the house? It just didn't make sense. Jesus was pointing them and us to a life of intention, to love intentionally, to be humbly intent, to be in, uh, humble intentionally, just to serve intentionally, to live intentionally with diligence, to ask ourselves, how will we intentionally follow Jesus today? Our Bible passage raises more questions that lead us to some answers. We're going to look at four of them. The first one is, how do we intentionally love like Jesus? Back to verse 1. John pointed out very well that he was soon to depart to the Father, but having loved his own. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the tells me so. All throughout God's word, comes out that how much Jesus loves us. Greater love has no man than this that he laid on his life for his friends. All of life, Jesus' life oozed out love as he saw people and had compassion on them. He was moved to help people, to be with people. Matthew chapter 15, verse 32, Jesus' compassionate love moves him to feed people. We learned about that from Pastor Paul last week. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, and, and Matthew 14, 14, Jesus' love and care moved him to heal. Actually, in Matthew chapter 9, that word move with compassion is such a, a, a descriptive word. It actually means he retched within himself. It hurt so bad. These people were depressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd that he had to do something. He had to be moved to help them. And he healed. And in Luke 
Chapter 7, verse 13, a funeral procession was moving along and he noticed it. He noticed the widow, uh, a widow and, and, and now losing her only son. And the grief struck him because he knew what she was feeling and so moved by compassion. He comes up to that corpse that they're taking out and he touches the body, which you never do from a dead person. He touches that body and the boy comes to life. Woo! Wouldn't you like to have been there? He is moved with compassion. See, love does. It's not just a feeling to feel, but it actually is a, it's a movement with intention to show and to be loving. See, we don't do the action to be loved, but love compels us. Jesus' love is active love. Bob Goff, an incredible guy, he's a lawyer, does some incredible things, kind of a little bit crazy, but he wrote a book called Love Does. And I encourage you, if you ever get one of a good read, uh, read this book. I believe it's in our library. If it's not, I'm going to put it there. But it's, it's, it's an amazing book called Love Does because Jesus intentionally loves. And so should we. We should intentionally, with active, compelling love, lavish on those around us, on our friends at work, on our friends at school, our neighbors, our family, and yes, most certainly our spouses. We should be intentional with our love. Love is supposed to be that intentional choice to act in a loving way. Are you? See, too much we want and wait for people to love us intentionally. Well, Jesus has already intentionally loved you and me. And yet, so we are to intentionally love others. And yes, it will take sacrifice because the essence of true love is selflessness and sacrifice, moving ourselves behind and pushing other people forward. See, to love is a choice to care and to learn others' needs. Maybe just to learn their name as well. To make and take time to learn their story. To listen and to learn caring, helping, meeting needs. Who is someone you can intentionally love this week? Jesus stepped out of his rightful position as honored leader and intentionally loved his disciples. See, he knew our plight, the plight of mankind in our own sinful squalor. We've all been born into sin, and we continue to act out in that sin. I mean, just look at the news, look at the internet feeds of what's happening out there and the, the, the newspapers. It's just bad news all the time. Even good people doing bad things. It just seems like we're compelled constantly over towards this evil. And it's natural for us because that's the air we breathe. It's part of life. It it has created a separation, Isaiah says in the Bible, a prophet Isaiah says, that, that our iniquities have separated us from God. And there's no way we can bridge the gap. Absolutely none. Sure, we can do good actions, and that's great to do that, but it doesn't change the gap. And we will continue to move back to that sinful lifestyle all the time. But yet, 
Jesus came out of his compassion to us, stepping aside of his uh, uh, rightful place and position and came born as a little baby, grew up, showing us how to live, but also to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could now bridge the gap. When Jesus died on the cross, he took care of the gap. He took care of that sin in us, around us, and he said, I'm going to deal with it on the cross, and he did. And when we come to faith in him, the gap is bridged. And now we can enjoy life as it was meant to be, living out our full potential, enjoying an incredible relationship with God because we're covered with Christ. And not only that, we get to go to heaven. And that's an awesome reality for us. All that because Christ intentionally loved us. So how will you intentionally follow Jesus this week? Here's another question to consider as we seek to be intentional like Jesus. What does intentional humility look like? Well, during supper, there they are in that upper room around that table, enjoying a meal and at a weird time, because usually it's done when you walk in the door, but Jesus steps away from the table and you can tell all the eyes are watching him. He goes in there and takes off his outer garment, straps himself with a towel, pulls a basin of water and begins to wash the disciples' feet. That was a cultural faux pas. (laughs) You never do that. That was for the lowliest slave to do, not the honored guest. See, Jesus is the honored one. When he would walk into a village, people would actually part. They would bow down on their knees. They would uh, uh, hail him as king. They had just got done him coming into Jerusalem, throwing down palm branches, yelling out, Hosanna. And here he is, taking the form of the lowliest servant. You just don't do that. Everybody had their place. But here is Jesus saying something different. What do his actions say? What does it mean that the king of kings and the Lord of lords would humble himself and become a lowly servant? One that was pushed aside. See, in the, in the hierarchy of servants, there were those who handled the meal, who handled the, the master's dress and all of those kind of things. And then there was the scum at the bottom of the barrel, the one who got the worst job. I got to wash the feet. You know, you're down there with all the uck and muck of someone's feet. They walk in sandals and ugh. And some of that gets on you and you're considered unclean. No one talks to you. You're just, and yet Jesus takes, he takes on that stance. Wow. Philippians 2, 3 and 4 said this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but with humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. It's stepping out of our world and thoughts and to-do lists and stepping into another's world, taking the position of a servant. This attitude is the essence of our global outreach, our missions ministry. And it truly is the heart of, of the man who leads that ministry, Lance Peterson. Lance, I'd like you to come up here and just share a little bit about our global outreach, our missions ministry. I mean, you're 
just got back from Ecuador, and uh, so I can't wait to the Ecuador night to hear about that. But got tell the shirt. Us, I know come you on Ecuador night, and we'll yeah, tell you yeah, what the shirt means. Well, yeah, we're going to look forward to that. But tell us about the heart of our missions ministry, our global outreach ministry, and, and really what, because I know it's in you with this idea of this humble service, but share with us about that. Well, I mean, missions in general are, uh, I mean, we have one goal, which is the advancement of God's kingdom throughout Amen. the world. And we have two ways we kind of emphasize that. One is just being a servant and partner to our global missionaries. Um, the other way is to educate and present, uh, expose the congregation to global missions, which we do that through uh, things like short-term missions and through our mission weekends. All right. Now, speaking of short-term missions, uh, I know this humble servant heart comes out in that way, and, and I'd like you to share about that with our missions. Now, I know we don't come as, in as the great white hope, but to tell us our stance in that, because it's very unique, and I think I love it. I'm just so happy for that. But um, I mean, short-term missions, I think, is something you, you do need, and there are abuses. There are, uh, you know, people sometimes treat like vacations and stuff, and, and one common thing is people say, well, don't you get a lot more out of it than you put into it? Well, the answer is yes. I mean, you can't, that's just God's economy. You can't do anything for God that you don't get more out of. So you got to put that aside, but, but we really work to, to benefit the people we go serve. I would do that a couple ways. One is, is our relate, we do long-term, um, mission or short-term missions with our long-term missionaries. So four of the five, uh, mission trips we go on to Ecuador, India, uh, Mexico now and New Orleans, we're doing that with our long-term missionaries. So they're there and we have that relationship. Um, the other one we do in Honduras, um, we don't have a long-term missionary there, but we're going to have soon because Cindy Pearson has been going there for years and she's becoming a missionary and, and going to Honduras. So um, doing that allows us to make sure that we we know what the conditions are. We, we're working with somebody who's going to tell us when we screw up and, and we go there as, as servants. Um, the second thing we do is just the attitude. Uh, Philippians, um, we use that uh, one through seventeen. Actually, the first one's talking about as as you're going down. We don't go down to serve uh, to be served, but to serve. Um, we really look to do the you know the, the behind the scenes job. We don't want to be up front because if we were running the mission, then when we leave, the mission's over. But when we come down and support the the people who live there and and do it, we're we're coming alongside them. We're washing the dishes, cleaning bathrooms, you know, taking care of the kids, whatever it is that that we can do to help them. Uh, then that's supporting them, uh, allowing them to have the time to to serve missions. And the second part of it, uh, Philippians, I want to uh, think it says, do everything without complaining and arguing. And we we always emphasize <laughs> the doing everything without complaining. So. <laughs> yeah, when it's hot and yeah. you know and you're cleaning the toilet and it's just it. But I really appreciate what the, what the Lance and our missions team does. And they, you know, travel all over the world and, and don't go in as that, you know, that, you know, hey, we have the answers. We really take a humble stance because I want you to hear from his mouth because that's really Lance's heart. And I'm so glad him and, him and his wife are, and, and the whole team are just involved in that because they share that same passion of that humble service. Lord, thanks, Lance. I appreciate that. And do, uh, yes. When you hear of these nights like uh, uh, New Orleans and Ecuador and India and Honduras and Mexico, when you hear about those nights to do, I know it's a little extra to come out to do them, but you will be blessed because you will see the results of humble service. You will see the results of these people who get used of God and, and, and how what amazing things happen in them, but yet also what amazing things happen through them. How God uses that, and it's it's incredible, and appreciate their stance there. See, Jesus um, intentionally demonstrated humility. 
And the truth is, so should we. So how can you demonstrate intentional humility this week? This is a way to intentionally follow Jesus. When action of humility is to uh, be like Jesus and to take on that position of a servant. So the question comes, how can we intentionally serve like Jesus? And Jesus found a, a perfect way to be able to serve that way. He donned that cloth. He got down and began to wash the disciples' feet. It was humble. It was sacrificial. It was selfless service, and it shocked Peter. Oh, whoa, Lord, you, you're going to wash my feet? You ever wonder why it shocked Peter? Maybe in his privileged, self-absorbed, what's-in-it-for-me worldview, this did not fit. The disciples talked about power and position and prominence that they would have in the kingdom of God. I mean, you've got James and John, the sons of thunder. <laughs> they want to sit in his right and his left. Even their mom was trying to get him to do that. And they're all talking about, oh, we're going to be great in God's kingdom. And servanthood was really not much on their list. Yet Jesus showed them to get out of their comfort zone and to take on the form of a servant, one with no rights, no privileges, just there to do a job and do that job with excellence. See, too much we, we serve for self, looking to advance our influence or our image. <clears throat> now true, as Lance was mentioning, we gain from our service. And it's awesome. And I tell you, yesterday at the annual festival, I mean, I just was like, whoa, man, this is so exciting. I was, I was a little weary standing on my feet for the, you know, eight hours or so. And, and, but, and, but I just was having a wonderful time. And I feel like I got way more out of it in that regard. And, and it's fun to serve, but our intentionality towards service is because Jesus said so. Because Jesus took off his outer garment and, and took on the form of the lowliest servant. And so should we. The Apostle Peter, who this, Lord, don't wash my feet, put it this way. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. See, this isn't a campaign that got started called What Would Jesus Do?, it's, it's really in his steps is really where it started. That we need to do what Jesus did. And if the, the God of the universe, the one who breathed into being all that we see, the majestic, high, holy savior of them all could take on the form of a servant, then so can we. And so ought we. And there's all kinds of ways and places to serve. There are places inside the church and our children's ministry, youth ministry, usher ministry, office ministry, all kinds of ways, hospitality ministry. There's all kinds of ways inside the church, but there's also ways outside the church in our neighbors, in our neighborhoods, with our neighbors, in our schools, 
in our workplaces, families we meet, people that we come across. God has equipped each of us with talents and abilities and passions that are to be used. It's like our VBS workers. I mean, they were using their talents. Look at the set that they've made. We didn't like buy this, you know, already prepackaged plug and play. Our people, our crafty, artsy people did the set. Isn't that great? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. But even with all that, we've got people who put together a program, and you can see the music team that's up here, and, and, and then we've got workers who are going to be working with kids. Matter of fact, I'd like it if, if you are working and serving in VBS in any capacity uh, this week, would you mind just standing up? I know it's embarrassing for you, but please just do this for me. Stand up, stand up. Let's get, let's stay standing. Stay standing, because I want to say something to you. These people have dedicated this next week. Some of them are taking off time off work, losing their work pay. They're doing this out of glory to God and to service to him to reach out to the kids that are going to be here. The 150 plus, almost 200 kids are going to be here. They are willing to serve them. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to show them to you because here are examples of people who are willing to serve. And there's a whole bunch more that are still serving in children's ministry in the rather part of our facility other part of our facility, but I thought we'd take this moment to pray for them. So please stay standing and let's just pray for these workers that are here and they're representing the ones that are in the first service and then they're working over there. But let's pray for them. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for these diligent servants, Lord, who truly are compelled to serve. Lord, they, with this great love in their heart for you and for the kids in this church and in this area and this community. They want to show you to them. And so, God, I'm praying that you will just anoint them, that you'll have your hand of grace to fall upon them, Lord, that you will allow them to be used as they not only are an example of, of a Christian, an example of a, of a Christ follower as in how they live out there this next week with the kids, but also as they take opportunities to point kids back to you as they take opportunities to share about you with kids, as they take opportunity just to show the love of you through their face and their actions. God, use them. Use them mightily. God, give them energy, especially after tomorrow. God, may you just infuse them with the excitement of you and, and buoy them up, Lord. And we just lift them up to you and thank you for them. And, and, and we just anoint them to be used of you this week, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You can sit down. Thank you for your service and what you're going to do this week. It's going to be amazing. But I, I want you uh, all not to stop praying. You need to pray every day. Especially in the morning, especially around 11 o'clock when the energy drains. <laughs> and especially around Wednesday, right? Isn't it Wednesday when it just really hits? Uh, but be, please pray for them. And for the rest of us, how will we intentionally serve this week? It's a way to intentionally follow Jesus in his steps. So yes, to intentionally follow Jesus is a love with intention. To take an intentional humble stance to serve intentionally. But one last question comes up as Jesus washed the feet of his betrayer. For the question comes, what does intentional diligence look like? In John 13, verse 11, 
it says about Jesus, for he knew who was to betray him. And that's why he said, not all of you are clean. And when he had washed their feet, he put on his outer garment and resumed the place where he was. Jesus washed Judas's feet. I don't, I don't know if that strikes you as odd, but Jesus knew what exactly Judas was going to do in just a few hours. He knew that he would sell him out. And he knew that he would betray him. And yet here he is, just like everybody else. He's washing their feet and showing them that great love and humility. That's just not fair. Judas does not deserve that action in any way, shape, or form. But the truth is, neither do I. Yet Jesus, with intentional diligence, overcomes, pushes through the opposition, the difficulty, the betrayer, and continues on. Is that what we do? What what happens with our service or life when it gets difficult? Do we scream out, that's not fair? Or that's it, God. You didn't heal. You didn't solve the situation. You didn't have it go this way. That's it. I'm out. Why why do we give up so easily? Where is the diligence that pushes through? That grit that regardless of the obstacles or betrayal, where we continue on. The Apostle Paul, after talking about his hardships, the, the struggles, the beatings, the imprisonment, says this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. He says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forget what lies behind, and I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. He presses on. See, the reality is in life, there is going to be difficulty. There is going to be heartache. There is going to be difficult times, and there is going to be betrayal. We live in a sin-swaller of a world where good people even do nasty and terrible things. And it's going to happen. Even for those great people and nice people, it's going to happen. And yet, we're to press on. If Jesus can wash the feet of his betrayer, then we can push through with that same diligence, that same resolve to move on with life as God has given us energy to do so and continue to push forward. See, God wants to do something amazing in you and through you. But it takes intention. Jesus got up and washed the disciples' feet 
asking if they understood. They may not have then, but they did later and intentionally followed Jesus. And each one of them pushed through the beatings, the scourgings, the being put in jail, eventually giving their lives. They intentionally followed Jesus. The question is, will you? Will you by asking, how do we intentionally love like Jesus? By asking, what does intentional humility look like? By asking, how can we intentionally serve like Jesus? What does intentional diligence look like? Will you follow Jesus? And become the lowliest of slaves? If that's what my master did, that's what I want to do. Will you pray with me? Father God, I am so taken by Christ's action. It just makes no human sense that Lord Jesus, our high, holy God of everything, who, as Colossians says, breathed into all of existence all that we see and is the one who holds everything together, would take the form of a servant is just beyond me. We should be serving you every day. You shouldn't have to lift a finger. And yet you put your garments aside and girded yourself with the dress of a servant. Asking, do you understand what I have done to you? Lord, you have undone us is what you've done. You've, you've shifted our mindset that does not make any human sense. And you call us to a humble, loving servant stance that even pushes through betrayal. And that just does not seem like what is and what should be. But yet it's what you call us to. Lord, help us to take on that stance. Help us to live with intentionality each day as we follow you. Pray this in your name. Amen.